Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, episode 43. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and much like the actor Michael Sheen, I too have given up acting in order to take up activism. Uh, Except that I did it ages ago and that is definitely why I haven't got any of the castings I've had over the past two years. It was definitely because I'm too busy with activism. Definitely. So, look, uh, it's only a few days until Wintervulmus Eve Day Fest, and the world of politics is suitably slowing down in time for enforced hibernation with just a few teeny tiny politics stories and happenings to tide us over so that we don't get too bored in this magical consumerist season. You know, little tiny weeny political stories like prison riots in the HMP Birmingham where inmates set fire to CCTV cameras, presumably to give prison guards their own festive version of Netflix's fireplace in your home. Or, you know, tiny stories like all the massive strikes in the train sector that no one really noticed as none of the Southern Rail trains have been running for a year anyway. Or stories like strikes in the air flight sectors, which I think is just a pilot scheme. Russian and Syrian army forces driving out the rebels in Aleppo, which they've hailed as a victory, but no one really knows for who. I mean, they've caused so many deaths and so much destruction, it's like saying shooting your dog to stop it having worms is a victory. Meanwhile, a Russian ambassador was shot dead in Turkey by a protester angry at Russia's involvement in Aleppo, because they obviously haven't heard of online petitions, and now everyone is talking about World War III, which, if it happens, I hope it at least has a really cool logo where the three looks like a W, but on its side. And while I record this, there has been news of possible terrorist attacks in Zurich, Brussels and now Berlin because 2016 seems to be in competition with itself for shittiest day ever and I'm concerned New Year's Eve's fireworks will just be aliens firing laser cannons at us all until we all die and they hail a surviving cockroach as the new king of Earth. And here I was thinking that this week I could just do a really quick Christmassy podcast show where I just do things like laugh about how Chris Grayling, the transport secretary, hit an oncoming cyclist with his car door. Which, that isn't funny in itself, but it does prove that Chris Grayling is such a shit transport secretary that even when he finally opens his door to people who commute by bike, it causes more harm than good. Well, we can all laugh about how the news says that sheep now outnumber people 3 to 1 in Wales, which does explain their National Assembly voting results. Or how Nigel Farage wants to be the UK government's bridge between the UK and the US, which would hopefully mean that shitloads of vehicles would have to drive over him and his stupid face every single day. 
What could encapsulate this wonderful season of goodwill more than MP Philip Davis, a man who looks like someone put a tie on that picture of a dog sitting so it looks like a penis? Philip Davis has been appointed to the Parliamentary Committee of Women's Rights and Equality, even though he's a man who's outwardly anti-feminist and last year gave a 93-minute filibustering speech to block hospital carers getting free parking at hospitals. How lovely to allow the rest of that committee to really know the enemy by placing the lumpy grey sexist hurdles that they have to jump over right in amongst them for good practice. It is the season of giving after all, and just last week, Davis gave a 77-minute filibustering speech to block a law designed to help women who are victims of domestic violence. I mean, there is nothing like defending equality and women's rights than speaking for so long no one other than a white man is heard in a parliamentary hearing. Am I right? Lowlights of Philip Davis' speech include him comparing domestic violence to street crime because he obviously hasn't heard of walls and roofs and how they work, and that men also die and have funerals too in some sort of bizarre all-deaths-matter protest. Apparently Philip Davis claimed that he was protesting against the parliamentary bill in order to ratify a bill against all violence, presumably realising that an awful lot of people would love to beat the shit out of him if they see him on the street. Which, sadly as well, would only add to his views that men are more likely to be victims of street crimes as his face gets pummeled in, and possibly also prove that men have funerals too. So, there's all that this week, and sadly, uh, I don't really have a lot of time to discuss much of it, because I'm spending most of this Christmas week doing shows for children, and I hugely underestimated how shitty Christmas traffic would be. But it seems that everyone is very keen to give each other lung disease and air pollution for their secret Santa. So today, for example, I had planned to spend hours and hours on this podcast all afternoon, uh, but instead I spent most of the late afternoon and evening in a car on the M25 with brilliant, very funny comedian Beck Hill as we tried to pass depressing time stuck doing nothing, thinking about how a baby might do an observational comedy set. Yep, our lives really are that fun, and yes, a lot of it was just a baby saying, what's that all about? Because, you know, if you're a baby, you genuinely don't know what anything is about. I mean, really, observational comedy is pretty easy for them. So, uh, as a result, uh, today's podcast is largely an interesting interview that I had with Paul Anderson at Homeless Link uh, and Noel, who's, uh, who is from Homeless Link's advisory panel of formerly homeless people. Um, and there's also a teeny bit of Brexit fallout, as fucking always, and then stick a fork in me, because I am done after all that. And apart from a mini episode that I hope to put out at some point over these Christmas holidays, uh, this show is going to be on a break until January the 23rd. So, very sorry about the shorter episode this week, and... Thanks, as always, for listening to this podcast. I was thoroughly, thoroughly chuffed with the review uh, last week on iTunes from Miphead, which I, I hope is a nickname. I'm guessing Miphead, is that like a tiny mophead? Or does it stand for Men in Pink Head? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Miphead said nice things about the show and said that they were very willing to listen despite the jingles. So thanks, Miphead. As it's Christmas, I thought I'd give you a special treat just to say thanks. And this is just for you. Thanks, Miphead, for the lovely review. The nice words you said were very kind too. If other listeners are just like you, and maybe also hate these lovely tunes, then perhaps they too should leave a review. And thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Also, don't forget, if you would like to contribute to this podcast, uh, which might mean in the future I can avoid having to shout at children on days when I should be recording and researching this show, then please head to patreon.com forward slash parpolbro and drop me a few quids. And if you didn't hear last week's show, if you head to nextupcomedy.com before January the 1st, 2017, and you enter the code parpolbro, you get 25% off the very cheap subscription fees to watch tons and tons of comedy shows, including my own. Uh, or you could just buy my stand-up comedy shows from tnndm.vhx.tv instead. 
I know people sort of say it's the thought that counts, but really what they mean uh, is that what counts is what I think of you, and if you send cash my way by buying things that I've done, then I will think loads of you, more than I even think of, say, Neil Buchanan. Right, let's get straight into a very interesting chat with this week's interview. According to Paul Young, wherever he lays his hat, that's his home. A statement that is undoubtedly false, otherwise Foxtons would have bought out hat shops a while ago and probably spend their days driving around a giant hat showing people how spacious a fascinator is. I wish it were the case though, as if just laying your hat down meant you had a home, it would make Britain's currently depressing homelessness situation an awful lot easier to fix. A recent study by homeless charity Shelter said that there were now over a quarter of a million homeless people in the UK, with numbers rising almost 300% since 2014. The Department of Communities and Local Government said it didn't recognise these figures because all their employees were obviously besieged by some extreme discalculate. I mean, how on earth do you not recognise figures? Was it just because you'd never seen them close up before, preferring to keep them all at arm's length for your own elitist comfort? They then followed up that statement by saying one person without a home is too many, though I bet if there was only one person, the Department of Communities and Local Government would still not recognise that figure, assuming it was just a wonky eye. Conservative MP Bob Blackman proposed the Homelessness Reduction Bill in Parliament, which is now in its second reading in the Commons, but this bill works on preventing homelessness, not necessarily helping those who already are. The bill will also put most of the responsibility onto local authorities who are already suffering huge cuts and a lack of resources. But still, it is nice to know that this government are at least trying to push through some sort of bill to reduce homelessness. I mean, compared to back when Grant Shapps was housing minister in 2012, he thought that homelessness was just a result of people being too picky because they hadn't found the right home yet. As though many people were just thinking, well, if I can't have that mansion with a garden and an attic that I want, I'll just have to sleep under this bridge. There are many contributing factors to this sharp rise in homelessness and just in the area where I live in North London, I honestly haven't seen this many people on the streets since the 1980s when I remember seeing Cardboard City as a child during uh, Thatcher's time as Prime Minister and feeling really haunted by it. And seeing this increase where I live and at this time of year particularly is properly heartbreaking. It's not just people on the streets as well, it's thousands and thousands of family in temporary accommodation. And this Christmas, 124,000 children in Britain are going to spend Christmas without a proper home. So this week, I thought it was very important to speak to someone who knew what those of us with homes could do about it and what needs to be done politically in order to change things. I spoke to Paul Anderson at Homeless Link, a membership charity for organisations who work directly with people who become homeless. Paul also arranged for Noel to be there, and Noel, as you'll hear, was formerly homeless and worryingly due to his uncertain situation, may become homeless again soon. I'm very hugely grateful that they both had time to talk to me. Here's Paul and Noel. Hi Paul and hi Noel, thanks very much for chatting with me today. Um, Paul, if we could start by you telling us a little bit about what Homeless Link uh, actually does. Yeah, so we're, we're the second tier uh, homelessness organisation, so... We uh, have homelessness bodies who are members of ours um, and other supported housing projects, actually, people working with learning disabilities and mental health and drug and alcohol issues. Um, and we have about 800 member agencies, and these are agencies, by and large, which work with people on the ground. So they, they work directly with homeless people, providing them with support and advice, accommodation, those sort of things. And we represent those bodies... Um, in terms of what's going on for them in conversations with government uh, and with other decision makers, the, uh, the, the Mayor of London, for example. Uh, and we also try and provide support to those agencies by things such as 
training, briefings, good practice guidance. So, yeah, so that's our kind of role. So you're very sort of direct, it's direct action, really. You're out there helping um, people. We, 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 we try and make sure that the, the needs of homeless people are put to, uh, part of the political dialogue and that they're being, they're being met properly. So that's about making sure that the services that work with homeless people are working as effectively uh, as possible. But at the same time, um, a sort of wider in the wider agenda, um, making sure that politicians and other decision makers uh, understand what's going on for people who are homeless and who are on the edge of homelessness, uh, and that they understand the implications of decisions that are made. Uh, and we try we try and help set the agenda and uh, make government aware of that. Our vision is a country free from homelessness. Um, we're hoping that that can be achieved in the next five years or so, uh, and, that, and that's what we kind of push towards, work towards. Wow. Okay. Great. Thank you, Paul. And 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 Noel, if I could ask you as well, you're part of a, an advisory panel for Homeless Link. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Sure. And and is that? Uh, and am I right in thinking you, you've been you were formerly homeless as well? Yeah. Uh, well. It'd be interesting to see what your audience think of what homelessness is, because homelessness, it doesn't, you know, a lot of people's perspective would be, oh, they walk by and see somebody on the street lying there, but homelessness, you know, whether you're in a hostel, you know, you probably, uh, say, surf a sofa, uh, you know, on sofas, you know, every night at friends or whatever, and you haven't really got somewhere where you call home. You know, so, I mean, and a lot of that would be um, where people have to look at, well, what is homelessness to start with? Because without realising, they could be homeless themselves. So is that, do you think that's almost like a sort of hidden homelessness in a way? Well, yes, it is. But um, I, I suppose a lot of people don't realise that, you know, and um, also, you know, like, uh, I mean, I grew up basically through children's homes hostels, you know, I've been in prison, you know, I've done a life sentence, I've been out for four years now, you know, and um, I've been homeless basically when I really think about it most of my life. God, and that's, so when when you're in a situation like that, does that make it even harder to then try and get out of that situation? Well, yes, because obviously you've got to try and get accommodation. I mean, for example, I've got... Um, I got out four years ago, and um, obviously you go straight into a probation hostel. But then I went uh, through an organisation uh, called Broadway, which is now connected with St Mungo, and um, I was in one of their hostels for two years until I got um, a little one-bedroom studio flat. You know, but then I got again made homeless in February uh, this year because somebody set light to the place and I oh, had to God. jump from a third floor window. My and, God. Um, I got rehoused out in, in Bexley, you know, but I had to then go to the council every day, you know, I was injured and get um, like, some more accommodation. So, you know, it's some people that are out on the streets, part of you, even though there is organisations, you've got to try and do things for yourself as well. Sure. Sure, and I mean that sounds 
that sounds incredibly tough where you, you finally get accommodation and then you you find yourself homeless again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's you know, but obviously things are, are slowly looking up, you know, but I've only got that place for the next few months anyway, you know, and then I'll have to find somewhere else. So I could be homeless again because you only the private landlord would only give people a year contract. Sure, sure. Is it, I mean... Is is that one of the 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 main struggle? Because I mean, um, and this the question to both of you, I suppose that the homelessness seems to have massively increased uh, in the last few years. Uh, and is that? I mean, I'm guessing that's one of the many reasons why that's happening because of the kind of increase in 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 rents uh, and in private landlords kind of uh, having power over tenants and things. Is that one of the reasons? So, so we we've got some evidence on this. Uh, we we have official government statistics, um, which actually only really give us one side of homelessness because they don't cover the people that Noel was talking about earlier, people who are sleeping on friends' floors or who are staying in cafes overnight or on buses, that sort of thing, kind of invisible homelessness. But of the, of the statutory homelessness statistics, so these are people who go to their council and say, I'm, I'm homeless, can you help me? The, num- the, the, the percentage of people who do that because their landlord is ending their tenancy, what's called a Section 21 ending in the stewardship tenancy, basically the, la- the tenancy is coming to an end and the landlord says, I'm not renewing it, is now the most common cause of people turning up at the local authority and saying, I'm becoming homeless. It's gone up exponentially over a number of years you can't you can't you, you can't prove why that is but if you look at the graphs in terms of when it started to rise it seems very likely that it's connected to reductions in local housing allowance or freezing of local housing allowance which are reductions in real terms because rents have gone up which basically is the amount of housing benefit that somebody in the private sector somebody's privately renting off a private landlord can get um, which means that landlords are less likely to want to let people on benefits because the amount of money that those people can pay is in real terms is less than it was before sure. and is less than people who are working who are also competing. For, and I, it's horrible to use the term competing when we're talking about people's homes, but people who are competing for that same accommodation who are working are in a much more powerful position because they've got a bigger income. And and does that affect certain age groups? Because there was quite a big housing benefit cut for, was it under 25s or under 21s? I think it was. It's for young people, isn't it? Um, so, uh, so that hasn't come in yet. There, there, was, there was a reduction um, about 20 years ago in the amount that under 25s could get. Um, basically meant they could only get the, the rent of a room in a shared house. They couldn't get the rent of a, of, a, of a flat. That was extended in 2011 to people under the age of 35. So suddenly a whole new new group of people were put under it. And you really have to stretch the definition of young people quite a lot to get to people who were 34. Um, anyway, so that happened. What's, what's planned now, and we don't know whether the government are going to go ahead with it, but from next April, they're due to bring in legislation, which would mean that 18 to 21 year olds wouldn't be able to claim there's a benefit called universal credit, which is 
replacing housing benefit amongst other benefits. They won't be able to automatically claim that. They'll have to be in an exception group to show that there's a good reason why they can't return home. We don't know what those exception groups are going to look like, what the level of evidence that's going to be required to show that you're in one, what happens in the interim whilst your information is being investigated. So that is, that's down the track, um, but not that far now. It's due to come in on a phase basis, but from next April. And is there, Noel, if, if I could ask you, like when you said you were living in, in hostels, and, and I mean, if you haven't got a fixed address, does that make it much harder to apply for all of these things? an organisation like I was, I mean, they do uh, help you try and get accommodation, but the problem is, it's like, uh, I mean, I was quite fortunate because uh, I went for two viewings and um, there was about eight or nine people that went along and both of them I was accepted on, you know, so I think it's how you present yourself and how you come across, but I mean, I'm 58 and um, obviously it's like... um, I think the loophole with landlords is that uh, they'll get you to to, uh, the council, like with my situation, half the rent because it was a shared accommodation. And um, obviously you have to get then the council to put it back up. But the landlord knows that at the end of the year, well, they get somebody else in. You know, so I think it's for all ages on that side where people have really taken advantage of, you know, because they wouldn't get away with that if somebody was working and had to pay that sort of rent. You know, so they are charging the council way over the top where they should be just charging for a single room, not as if it's self-contained. Sure. I mean, that's, uh, I suppose that's a, that's the thing with rents overall, isn't it? I, I, I live in London and my rent is, is horrific and I, I don't know how I afford it every month, you know, and, and I think that's something we've seen in, in a lot of cities and uh, I didn't realise it sort of affected um, uh, accommodation that people being put into as well. Yeah, yeah. So essentially all, um, in any private sector accommodation, the amount of money you can get in housing benefits capped and it's called the local housing allowance rate and that rate has been frozen since 2012, I think it was reduced in real terms. The, the, the mechanism by it was up, it was upgraded was changed in 2011, I think, and then into, from 2012 it's been frozen. Will be till 2020. So if you think about it, if you were living in somewhere in 2012, eight years later you can still only be getting the same amount of housing benefits to pay your rent. Is it very likely that if you were renting privately somewhere for eight years? that the landlord is not going to want to increase the rent at some point during during your stay. Yeah, no, completely unlikely, isn't it? And uh, and, and as Noel was saying, and, and I rent privately too, um, there is very, very little protection. I mean, I've, I've got a good private landlord, but there's very little, I've had unscrupulous ones in the past, there's very little protection in terms of, if they turn around the end towards the end of your tenancy agreement and say, I don't want to renew this, there's nothing in law you can do because it's perfectly legal. And I think Noel's point earlier was a really good one about what being homeless means. I mean, a home isn't just a, a roof over somebody's head. It's, about, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place with that, all those intangibles of feeling safe a feeling you can shut your front door 
and you're secure, that you've got some you've got some vestige of control over your own life. It's somewhere that you can, if you want to, invite friends and family, and maybe and maybe have relationships in. And if you are continually worried that your accommodation is going to disappear in a, in three months or six months, then that kind of that kind of that kind of psychological state of yes, if this is this is my home, I, I'm secure here. It's very hard to, to foster because because it's not based it's not based on evidence, and that's very hard for people to uh, people to deal with. I think it's very very stressful. Sure, people to have to for people to be having to move continuously to to uproot, to get settled somewhere, and then have to and then have to relocate again. I think it's very very hard for people sure and and has um with the sort of decrease in 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 housing benefits as well has that affected uh people who are homeless on the streets getting into hostels because i notice uh i i live in finsbury park and and the homelessness uh or people that are homeless on the streets has increased massively here um and talking to a lot of them they they have to get quite a lot of money to be able to stay in a hostel overnight and i don't remember that being the case a few years back yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the case that people that people have to have any upfront money. So if people are saying that, they're they're, they're probably mistaken. If, if if you've got somebody who says I need twenty pounds to get into a hostel tonight, that's that's not correct. Um, right. The the rents are met through housing benefit for uh, generally for U, for UK nationals, but there is. Um, in London and in other parts of the country, there's been a huge rise in migrant rough sleeping as well. So over half of people sleeping rough in London are non-UK nationals now. And, and those it's very hard to find routes to get those individuals off the streets because they tend, by and large, to not be eligible for housing benefit. Without housing benefit, you can't pay unless you can find work. And it's not very likely if you don't speak English or if you're... You've been sleeping rough for a while, and your your health has declined, um, or you've got some sort of issues around drugs or alcohol or severe mental health that been that either precipitated or were brought on by your stay on the streets. Those individuals are very hard to very hard to get off the streets, and the migrant situation is kind of politically very difficult because of all the the wider environment that this conversation is taking place in, but but. It is, a, it is an element of any conversation around rough sleeping, particularly in London and in some other, in some of the bigger cities and in some of the areas where there is a sort of migrant employment uh, groups, migrant employment population. And do you think, uh, Noel, you, as you said, you've been sort of uh, really homeless, you say, for your, for your whole life. Do you... Do you think that the facilities to help you have got better? Do you think it's got um, easier to find accommodation or, or not? Well, no, it's, it's getting harder and harder. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. 
BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Literally month by month, year by year. I mean, it's like the old song says, let me take you by the hand and walk you through the streets of London as proof. You know, it's uh, you'll see people sleeping rough. You know, there isn't enough places. You know, I mean, uh, everywhere that the government and the councils would say we're building new homes to improve people getting up, but most of them are all private and up for sale, not, you know, for council use, not for people. There isn't enough hostels, you know, I mean, for every person that gets in a hostel, there's another 20 probably would want that place as well. You know, so it has got worse over the years, I think. You know, and, um, you know, it's going to get even worse in in the short term as well. And do you think, how do you feel like public perception of, of homelessness is? Do you think people have a lot of empathy for 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 those that are homeless? You know, how how do you feel as, as someone that's been homeless for your whole life? Do you think that people are reaching out and trying to help or does it not? There is genuine people out there, but then there's people that walk by and they probably think you're part of the gutter. You know, so there is that, you know, where other people will stop by and, you know, I've seen it myself, I've done it myself. You give somebody something to eat rather than any money or anything, you know. So, but a lot of these people, they do, you know, it's like Paul saying, you know, mental health issues, alcohol issues, drug issues, you know, that doesn't mean that every person on the street has that problem, you know, but there is quite a lot of people that do. So it's in them areas that also the government, with you know, with the help of these charities like Homeless Link and like Broadway, St Mungo and other people and Shelter, the government have got to put more money into them organisations because they're the people that go out onto the streets. They're the people that talk to the people and refer them to other organisations so they can get help. But it has to be a long-term help. It can't just be, oh, let's get somebody in a little bed sit or something, and that's the end of it. They've still got to have this continuous, like, say, care, but, you know, where they've got someone to turn to and talk about their problems and get referred to whoever they need to see. Sure. It's, it's sort of a, it's a constant short-term solution, isn't it? Well, yeah, short term, then it's like, that to me is like saying, let's just brush it under the carpet and forget about it. Sure. You know, every person's an individual and you know, they all have their different needs, you know, and that needs to carry on. doesn't matter if it's for years or whatever, you know, some of these people are very vulnerable, 
You know, it's not a sometimes people haven't got the choice of being on the street. They're on the street because sometimes they've had to run away from something. You know, so especially younger people. You know, so it's it's looking at what their their needs are, and it needs the government instead of cutting back. You know, and just relying on volunteer work. They need to actually put in the money to make results, and that means also with housing. You know, they're not a very good landlord, really, are they, the government? Where, <laughs> if, you know, if they're getting the councils are getting rent, well, with that rent money, you know, where they're getting millions of pounds in rent, they should be building more houses then to get more people into that sort of accommodation, not selling it all off. We'll be back with Paul and Noel in just a minute, but first, a very, very quick... Again, there's been quite a lot of Brexit news this past week, including everyone's least favourite disgrace, Liam Fox, the International Trade Secretary, proposing that the UK could just stay partly in the EU's custom union in order to not disrupt the UK's trade with the EU. You know, just, just being there a little bit, just sort of letting it get on with this thing, but occasionally we'll just sort of pop in and go, hi, we're here, uh, don't forget us, and then maybe get invited to the Christmas party and probably disgrace ourselves like Liam Fox does on a daily basis. Liam Fox was then informed that his idea would be completely illegal because Liam Fox has no fucking idea what he's talking about ever. I'm fairly sure if he tried to set up a deal with Father Christmas in order to ensure the UK gets a better tariff on deals with the North Pole, that it would actually result in every British child having to pay for their presents while leaving twice the amount of mince pies. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Theresa May attended the European Union summit in Brussels last week, where most of the other attendees ignored her and then proceeded to not invite her to discussions about Brexit, where they mostly talked about how Britain can't cherry-pick its options. And no, it's not just because we usually employ EU migrants to pick cherries for us. But the big story on many tabloid front pages last week was that the EU will charge the UK an exit fee of 60 billion euros for leaving the Union, prompting many cries across the internet of people saying the EU can fuck off if it thinks we'll pay it more money, and other sorts of daily express fueled rants that you know that those expressing them wouldn't really be able to do in real life because they're too old and they'd run out of breath before they got there. All of this is, of course, nonsense, in that the €60 billion Euro fee actually includes the UK's obligation to pay into the EU until the end of 2020, which we've signed up to do already, and we're legally obliged to do, and it also includes all of Britain's share of outstanding pensions liabilities and other payments for UK expats. So if that's an exit fee, then really we should also start calling the bill a restaurant gives you at the end of a meal an exit fee. I mean, how dare they expect you to pay for the food that you've already eaten and properly enjoyed and agreed to eat and pay for in their restaurant? Bloody disgrace. I support customer sovereignty. Meanwhile, statistics show that over 120,000 Leave voters have died since the 23rd of June. Presumably they were so intent on full sovereign independence that they left the land of the living as well. At least when you're dead, there's very strict border control where only Derek Cora seems to allow the living to get in contact. Only 30,000 Remain voters have died, meaning there is a difference of 100,000 voters between Remain and Leave, and when you consider how many elderly voters who voted for Leave will be dead by 2019, and how many Leave voters who polls say regret their vote, then we're two years away from a substantial Remain majority. Of course, by 2019, we'll have triggered Article 50 and we'll be firmly up isolated shit creek, while Liam Fox will be assuring everyone that we can definitely control the direction of travel using our minds because he had a dream about it once. And now, back to Paul and Noel. And, and Paul, you were saying that sort of uh, Homeless Link's aim is to, you know, aim to end homelessness in, in five years. Do you think that's 
doable when you know when figures do keep rising? I mean, I think it will take an act of political will and deter- determination. Um, but the country has done big things before when it when it set its mind to it. If if, if the if the political will is there and the resources are made available and the commitment is there, then uh, then I think it can it can be done. It, it it needs. I mean, we kind of know what the problems are. We know that there's an undersupply. Of, of affordable housing, we just know that it's not been built for years. It's not. It's not a secret. You can look at the, you can look at the the graphs, and they show you how the the building of affordable housing, by and genuinely affordable housing. I mean, I mean, housing that people can work, pay their rent, and still have a decent standard of living. That accommodation has dried up under both, all three actually, because for the coalition, all three political parties have had periods in government and nobody has taken the bull by the horns. We know that the benefit system doesn't work in terms of accommodation, that uh, that the the, the LHA, the housing benefit system, has been left to wither on the vine in the sense that it no longer reflects the money that people need to, to, to pay their pay rent. We know there are various examples of good practice among supported housing and about models of housing first, which provide accommodation to people who've been on the streets for a long time who are very vulnerable people if you invest in the, in that sort of accommodation. We know that most people want to work. It's, it, one, of, one of the things I find most, most frustrating is when people use stereotypes of lazy for homeless people. Almost every homeless person I've spoken to Wants to work and be independent. They they, they 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 want to they want to be making a meaningful contribution and doing something with their life that fulfil that gives them a sense of fulfilment, like everybody else, frankly. Um, so and, and and they're all saying we need and we need decent um, health services for people who have mental health problems, who have other issues, to make sure that those issues are addressed. As part of um, as part of their recovery, so we know what the issues are. In the last election, we produced a manifesto with with um, clear pledges that we asked politicians to adopt around some of those issues. A clear a roadmap, if you like, for dealing dealing with this stuff. So so it can be done. It can be done if the political will is there. Sure, and and I, I totally agree. I, it's one of the things that constantly upsets me is this idea that that people that aren't working aren't you know are, are lazy and you know the the talk of hard-working people generally most people I know really I mean apart from maybe myself I quite like uh, being lazy but most people I know really want to work hard and do something with their lives um, and, and are very frustrated and, and they can't. About that is that people need to understand how little money people get to live on if they're on job seekers allowance or employment support allowance. Reading some of the tabloids, and I won't name them, but they know people know what I'm talking about. You would think that people have a life of luxury. They talk rubbish about people getting a hundred thousand pounds a year and stuff. Somebody who is a single person on job seekers allowance gets seventy three pounds to live on per week, and for that they have to pay any top up on their rent if their housing benefit falls short. They have to pay for their food, their electricity, their gas their water rates, any clothing they might want to buy at some stage, 
travel to go and sign on if they have to have to sign on, let alone any council yes counter tax top up in some areas. So the idea that people have this life of luxury is just it's just wrong. I mean, it's not any other way of putting it. It's just wrong and, and offensive. Sure, and, and I think also uh, some of these TV programs, you know, where you see about benefits and everything. I think that a lot of that is just. Um, for TV, really, to make it look, but they all seem to typecast certain people on these programs and make it look like, oh, they're drinking and smoking and they're doing this, well, they must be able to afford to live okay, you know, so they wouldn't want the, probably the boring person like me, you know, they want some a little bit of action, don't they, on the programs, so I think a lot of those programs are put over wrongly as well. Sure. Yeah. No, well, I feel you're doing yourself down there. You've been very interesting so far. Um, <laughs> so don't don't get yourself boring. Um, I was gonna, uh, but I, I think you're right. It's it's a lot of demonising people unnecessarily, isn't it? Um, and I, I suppose that makes it easier to ignore a problem as well. Um, if if the world assumes it's their own fault, you know. Um, something that I wanted to ask both of you as well, uh, and just a, I suppose a question that, that I wanted to ask for myself as well as for the listeners. Um, what can uh, people listening to podcasts, what what can we do to help tackle it? Um, what are the things that, that we can do? I mean, I don't have a lot of money myself. Um, you know, I give change when I can. I've got the Street Link app on my phone. Are there better things, though, that we could be doing to help people that are homeless? So, so, so the Street Link app, is, I'm glad you, glad you mentioned it. I will mention it as well. Street Link app, Street Link app. Yeah. It, is, it is, for those people who don't know, it is, it is a way that people, if they see somebody rough sleeping, can report them so they can get the help and assistance they need um, and it's very simple to use a lot of people thousands of people have been helped as a result of it very very straightforward not time-consuming way of genuinely helping people just kind of using it building upon the resources already there if you want to do a bit more then I suggest that you get involved with your local homelessness charity contact them see what they're up to um, and, and try and get involved in the in the initiatives that are taking place locally to um, to address this to address this issue. Um, I'd have to look at Homeless Links website as well. If I if I if I were if I remember the public, I'd recommend looking at that. Um, and at a political level, if you're worried about homelessness, if you see it, if you think it's gone up in your area, then please feel free to write to your MP and say. Are you concerned about homelessness? I see more of it. I know somebody who's homeless. There's a homelessness reduction bill in the House of the Parliament right now. We need MPs to support it. It's got a chance. It's actually got a chance of becoming law. We need MPs to support it. So anyone who writes to their MP and asks, are you supporting the homelessness reduction bill? Do you support initiatives to address homelessness? Is doing their bit. Um, so there's some very concrete, practical suggestions there. Yeah, yeah, those are brilliant. Thank you, Paul. And sorry, Noel, you were going to say. Yeah, I think it's also important about that app. It isn't the cure. It's about the Homeless Link app. It's about uh, them recognising where people are, and then hopefully, then somebody would go and see that person within the next day or two if they're in that same place, and then help them to you know signpost or get them referred to organisations. But it doesn't mean that when somebody say was to contact the people on the app that they're going to be put in some accommodation that night so it's not a thing where somebody could think oh well i'm homeless can you get me off the street right now you know 
there's a structure which people have to go through. So that's very important that people don't realise that Joe Bloggs isn't going to be, you know, he's not going to be on the street the next evening in the same place because the chances are he will be. You know, so it's important for people to realise that. But it's very important for people to let organ the organisation know that there is somebody in that area, and then people will go out and try and talk to that person. Sure. Noel's absolutely right. It's part of the public, like being the eyes and ears of homeless, uh, of homelessness, if you like. It's your opportunity to uh, to let somewhere you can do something about it know what you, what, what you've seen, because. You know, there's homeless people, lots of homeless people don't like being conspicuous. Again, another myth that, you know, that homeless people like being seen by everybody. Dangerous, violent, unpleasant life experience for people. And lots of people are invisible or hidden away, particularly vulnerable homeless people. They, they, they often try and keep a very low profile, particularly at night and so on. And so, uh, so it can sometimes be difficult to know where people are. So any, it's about helping locate those individuals so they can be given the help that they need. Brilliant. That's very useful. Thank you. And um, before we finish, uh, Noel, before we started recording, you were telling me about uh, a workshop you're running at the Young Vic in January. Could you tell me a bit more about that, please? Yeah, I mean, over the, the last sort of few months, um, I got invited along, you know, and everybody that's in the play have had experience with homelessness at one point in their life or another. And um, obviously the Young Vic, which is quite a well-known theatre, we're putting on a workshop and then we're performing in January, like six performances over three days, I think. And um, the play is about homelessness, you know, and um, we are sort of, well... The organisation now are probably sending out invites to people, like to MPs, to other people, you know, and to individual organisations, even though it's free to go with, you know. So, you know, different organisations that might even be listening to this, if they contact the young Vic and ask for, to talk to Kirsten, then they might be able to get an invite there, especially if they're part of an organisation to do with homelessness. That sounds fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, no, and I'll add, um, for the listeners listening to this, I'll add a link at the after the interview so that you can check that out. Um, and, and lastly, uh, both of you, if there are any uh, other recommendations, obviously you've mentioned Homeless uh, Link and we've uh, mentioned the Street Link app. Are there any other recommendations for sites or um, things that people should check out or donate to on issues of homelessness that, that you would both approve? I mean, I would I would recommend people come back to our, our website. Uh, we've got loads of resources covering all sorts of stuff to do with home homelessness in there. So we've got information on resources that are available for people, information on what's going on in the kind of wider political environment about, around homelessness, information on good practice. There's something for everybody there, something for the person who's just interested, something for the person who works in homelessness, somebody who's interested in the political um, element of of homelessness, somebody, if they want to become members of homelessness, we do have individual membership, which is very, very cheap, uh, if people want to be more involved to us. So so that's where I would recommend that your, your listeners go after they've heard the podcast. Great. Is there no, any recommendations from you? Yeah, I'd say, um, well, it is coming up to Christmas, and um, rather than when you go out with friends to have um, drinks for the evening, let one round 
be donated to a charity for people that are homeless, you know, because it's only one drink, you know, so that round that might cost 20 quid could go a long way to help somebody, you know, who is homeless and to help, you know, different organisations at Christmas to help people, you know, get off the street, just even if it's just for Christmas. Thanks so much to Paul and Noel for speaking with me. Um, I found that genuinely useful and informative and sort of makes me feel like I'm a bit less uh, useless when dealing with this. Uh, as I said, homelessness really increased in my area and I'm quite broke, so I sort of give away my change when I can and then feel like, well, this isn't that helpful. I don't know what to do. So I've got the Street Link app now. I would highly recommend you get that. Uh, as Paul said, it might not solve someone's problems immediately, but it does let those that uh, can help know that those people are there. Um, also, if you want to get involved with Homeless Link, you can become a member. Uh, they can be found online at homeless.org.uk or at Homeless Link on Twitter. Do check them out. Uh, and the workshop that Noel is involved with at the Young Vic, uh, if you are London-based, it's called The In-Between and it's going to be at the end of January. And helpfully, there is nothing on the Young Vic's website about it at the moment but Noel said to contact the theatre and speak to Kirsten uh, and they should be able to book you in if you're interested. As always if there's anyone you'd like me to interview or a subject you'd like me to interview someone about please do let me know and drop me a line at Bro on Twitter, the Bro group on Facebook, partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com or just three big clouds, two small clouds, three big clouds if using smoke signals and 674 left waves and one lower right wave for semaphore. This week, I asked you, the people, in true democratic style, what you thought Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, the weird bearded man who goes out in his pyjamas, Pappy Festive Time, Henry J. Jesus' birth, or Father Christmas, uh, as he's also known, should get for which politicians and why. Matt Kinson says once he's done all the good girls and boys of the world, can he give them all the sack? Yes, particularly Matt, I think he should give the sack to Liz Truss, the Justice Secretary, and very, very soon. At Chronicle Flask uh, suggests... Boris Johnson should be given a brain, Jeremy Corbyn courage, Jeremy Hunt heart, and Dorothy, I mean Theresa, new magic shoes. Yeah, but she'd probably spend thousands on them and it would just get people upset. Uh, at Princess of VP uh, says a dummy for Trump so he can spit it out of his pram on a regular basis. Yeah, but he'd definitely spit it out the best. He'd be the best at spitting it out. Um, at Margot J. Milne uh, says that from Ken Livingston, an accurate history of World War II. Uh, we'd probably buy that quick because once Trump is in, I reckon we won't have any accurate history books uh, left over whatsoever. Uh, at Al underscore Vim uh, says that Trump should get a sack of coal dropped on him from the top of his tower. Um, at Siffy Chick says uh, he's get david cameron bacon lots and lots of bacon uh would he eat it or use it as a sex aid very confusing um at gibby mcdibby sent absolutely loads uh they said that bojo could do with a shoehorn to help remove his foot from his mouth following each time he speaks uh i guess putin's been a really good boy this year as he's already been handed everything he could wish for uh santa could give zach goldsmith lots of free time to reflect on what happens to people who run odious racist campaigns for mayor i think he's already got a lot of free time on his hands now anyway um and corbyn could do with a presence rather than presence. Um, at Nick S. Shukler, who, uh, if you don't know him already, he's a wonderful writer, author. He put together the fantastic book, uh, The Good Immigrant, which uh, I've plugged on this podcast before. Why haven't you bought it already? You really should. It is brilliant. Um, he said, someone should send Theresa May a copy of my book, The Good Immigrant, because uh, self-promotion. Uh, also, her immigration fans were racist. Also, self-promotion. And he's absolutely right. Grab a copy. Get it for someone for Christmas. It's a bloody good book. Um, at Matt Hoss Comedy says Santa should give Farage a job. Uh, I don't think anyone should should give Farage a job at all. I mean, he's 
enough fucking hard work as it is when he hasn't got anything to do. Um, he also reckoned that Santa should give Keith Vaz the ability to lie better or sex toys or lie better about sex toys, I suppose. Um, at Fluff Logic says Philip Davis, an everlasting gobstopper and a copy of Clue. Um, at Jake Martin of Tom says Nigel Farage should be given a one-way passport. Uh, Liam Fox, a gift to the single market, sorry, a gift card to the single market. Um, Unreal McKay says a Meccano set for Farage so he can build all the bridges he wants. I reckon the problem is he'd build tons and somehow without him doing anything he'd set fire to most of them. Daniel Philbrook says he should give Nigel Farage a dictionary so he can look up the definition of the word hypocrite. I think what would he be even better is just to get him a French dictionary. That would properly fuck him off. And uh, my favourite one this week is from Ethan D. Lawrence who's a great stand-up and writer as well. He said Jacob Rees-Mogg gets 600 DVD copies of The Iron Giant. No reason. I just think it would be funny. God damn, it really would be. Well done, Ethan. Uh, there will be more questions of the week uh, in the new year, so keep your eye out on our Twitter and on our Facebook group for those uh, normally on a Sunday Eve. And that is all for this week's show, and really for this year's shows as well. Uh, as I said, I'm going to try and throw out a mini-episode in the holiday period if I can, but there is also a chance I'll be so full of roast potatoes I won't actually be able to move, and at best, I might just record two hours of groans and fart noises that you can probably just hear in your own home if you try. Uh, last year, I managed such sounds over Christmas that nearly attracted blue whales to the area, thinking they might be able to mate. They were quite horrific. Otherwise, uh, this definitely will be back at the end of January, so please don't unsubscribe or start seeing other podcasts. Um, as I promised, Partly Political Broadcast will be back in 2017, even if they have to make each episode four hours long just to run through everything President Trump has done wrong that week, followed by long lists of the types of Brexit that we're getting that week in increasingly Dr. Seuss-style descriptions. Red Brexit, Blue Brexit, this Brexit has a little star that's been separated from other stars, this one has a little very, very expensive due-to-exports German car, etc, etc. If you're new to the podcast, uh, why not spend this little break period having a listen back to some of the older episodes? Uh, episode 37, for example, was with Emma McClure uh, on the prison crisis, and it's still incredibly prevalent, as you can tell by the news this week. Uh, as always, you can get in touch via at Palpobro on Twitter, the Palpobro group on Facebook, and partly political broadcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show over the past year. I genuinely really, really appreciate all your comments, all your reviews, all your downloads, uh, and all your complaints about the jingles. Have a very splendid Christmas, and fingers crossed 2017 isn't terrible. I mean, if nothing else, if you take the numbers 2017 and put them on their side, they already look like an angry bird with an Elvis hairdo, so hopefully we'll be okay. This week's show was brought to you by this special festive poet. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring as all of President Trump's energy and environmental policies means that all the creatures are dead except for cockroaches and they can't hold spoons to stir with despite having lots of legs. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.